Move, counter move, detect, prevent, and defense. Being a CISO is like waging a never-ending chess game against players you don't know, can't see, and attack without warning. On this podcast, cybersecurity experts from Zscaler's Office of the CISO have a pragmatic dialogue on cyber risks, current attacks, and security trends. Welcome to the CISO's Gambit. Hi, this is Brad Moldenhauer, and today on the CISO's Gambit, we have our full global roster. Joining me is Danny Connolly, America's CISO, Mark Lewick, Northern EMEA CISO, and Nicola Casimir, the Central and Southern EMEA CISO. And today, we are going to talk about something that I think all of us talk about maybe daily, at least weekly. SSL TLS inspection. And as I understand it, Mark, you want to lead us off with a joke. The floor is yours. Knock, knock. Who's there? You'll never know because I'm using a TLS tunnel. <laughs> that's that's a, horrible. That's a dad, that's a dad CISO joke. It's, it's like the worst combination of all of them. Encryption started as a means of establishing privacy over the internet and establishing a way of, of, you know, of validating who is on either end of a tunnel. And it has become so much more. Yeah. The, the other piece that I'd like to add on to that is um, cyber criminals know exactly what we do is that SSL is used to establish privacy. Why not use that same mechanism to make our malware and weaponized payloads private? Yeah, so it, it's probably one of our best uh, yeah. way to uh, in, ensure that our customer uh, um, is not getting breached. And, 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 yeah. and, and, and basically, probably we should be, the, be explaining first why is SSL slash TLS inspection is necessary nowadays? So probably, Danny, probably you can you can start by 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 explaining why, to your views, is that inspection that critical today? Yeah, I mean, like like Brad said earlier, you know, it's it's the whole uh, <laughs> encryption was was created right to protect the privacy um, of data that flows through traffic on the world wide web right so i mean even back in the early days right. uh, i remember my first book um was all about man in the middle attacks for wireless networks and it's like it's very easy to throw up a fake access point and get somebody to have uh to connect through your access point and then any clear text protocol that goes through it right I, i'm able to capture i was able to use tcp dump and i could see everything right you know, hotel wireless networks was a big issue back then. And it was very easy to stand up these attacks. So it's like, it really drove, wow, this is so easy to, to, to capture, do a man in the middle attack and see what people are doing. And, and the other side of the spectrum was, how do we protect that data, right? How, how do we ensure that the communication is secure and somebody can't just throw up a fake access point and and snarf that traffic off the wire and, and get your data and that's a great point it was used to protect the data in the pipe so the question then comes to now that we're seeing 85 percent of all the traffic over the internet is encrypted why is a company like google for instance encrypting your request for cat videos i mean there's there's a reason behind this right 
85%. We don't want to protect 85% of the data in the internet because most of it's rubbish. Why are we encrypting it all? Because that is the fundamental issue we're finding ourselves in now where inspections become so important because it's no longer just protecting point-to-point important data. It's everything. So right. I guess I'm asking on the one hand, why? And on the other hand, how do we, challenge, how do we solve that problem? The Go reason ahead. why is probably because uh, it makes, makes you look secure. I mean, it is if whenever you are going into a website that is not encrypted, then it's not a good sign of security. You, 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 right. and 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 also Google at, uh, have make that clear that whenever your your site is not encrypted, then it's got not going to be um, in the first um, parts of of the list whenever you are searching for for that kind kind of site. So, and I, I agree. I am playing a devil's advocate role here, yeah, but it's an interesting question. If I go to my school, my children's school's website, it's encrypted. Is there any data there? No, it's got the no. calendar for the, and it's got some pictures of the well, front of the school. Why are we encrypting everything? Because that it's, and I, it's I, easier. I, I, I think it's easier than going between. I mean, when you're, you're using a blend of HTTP and HTTPS, you know, it, it's difficult, right? You want to make sure you're your session cookies and your logins are are using HTTPS, but it's okay for HTTP. It there are vectors there that you're able to to potentially read sensitive data, like when you're logging in websites. So it became just easier, I think, for companies and organizations to just go to HTTPS and make sure everything in that session is is protected. You know, um, you know, something else that contributed to that, too, now that I'm giving thought to the historical context here is, you know, there was a time when most of the Internet was just, you know, static content. Now think about it. Everyone is a technology provider. And when you get to that space, guess what you start doing with your online presence? You start forcing authentication. You start asking for more sensitive data. So like, I'm going to use ESPN.com as an example. That used to be just static sports news rubbish, right? Now you can authenticate there. You can subscribe to your favorite team's news feeds. And we've got some ancillary services that you can pay for, you know, in case you wanted to watch live fencing or something like that. But where I'm going with this is you have an account now, you know, these services have morphed over time. And I think that when you give that some thought, you can think of a lot of online services that have followed suit. So they are starting to collect a little bit more sensitive data, which has forced the need for SSO in some cases. But I completely agree with everything you guys said where, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just easier now and you know, it makes people feel safe. I think that we really should um, recognize also, also the influence of Google with uh, you know, the ranking uh, system. It really, really changed the face of the, the internet when, when they were um, uh, evaluating HTTPS as, as, and it integrated it to their ranking system. And, and you know, you, 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 you must remember also the lock that were presented, you know, within the browser that were, were basically saying secure, not secure, those kind of elements. And so basically anyone that was going on, on the net where we're basically taught that when you are going to an HTTPS website, it's by default secure. And so, and, and so there is like a, uh, an amalgam, a, a mix of, uh, of notions there where 
anyone now think that whenever a communication is encrypted, it means that it's secure? So yeah, I think this is something that has to be highlighted. I think, highlighted. Nicola, that's a fantastic summary. I think you hit the nail on the head. And the way I'm going to describe that is a little differently because I think Google's decision was not one of changing the industry. It was recognizing something. And what was recognized, and, and the lock is the same thing. What was recognized is that we were no longer protecting the data between point A and point B. That's not what TLS was being used for. TLS was being used to establish trust, that we knew that we were communicating. So why, I mean, look at Microsoft.com. Admittedly, okay, um, um, ignore their, their dynamic content and logging in 365. Just going to their main page, it tells you what products you can buy. Why should you care that that's encrypted? You don't care that that's encrypted, but you want to make sure it's Microsoft you're talking to. And that is what TLS has given us because HTTP yeah. is incredibly easy to simply say, hey, I'm such and such. That's <laughs> it's, right. It's Fantastic point, Mark. So, so encryption is less about protection of data and much more about trust. And that is why I believe Google has done what they've done. First of all, they were one of the first vendors to encrypt absolutely everything they do um, with, with TLS. Uh, and, and hence why they're encrypting requests for cat videos, because they want to give the consumer surety that they are Google, that you are communicating with Google. And I think that's the probably more important that's overtaken the data protection element of, 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 of uh, TLS in the first place. Now, I will say, I think the green lock icon and the way we're trying to establish that is lost. I don't think many people actually look or care or even see it. They just, unfortunately, we're human beings. And that aspect of trust isn't really there anymore, which opens the door to abuse. Well, and, and, and they're really relying on the browsers to tell them, you know, when, when we're kind of training users to, to, to kind of, okay, go to the site unless we give you a warning page or a, a certificate error, right? I mean, really, they're, they are being trained not to look at or pay attention to that yeah. uh, validity of a certificate, right? And look how hard that would have been without uh, TLS or with S before at SSL. Um, if you wanted, a browser would have had to say, you know, you've asked for Microsoft. But I've got something which I think is Microsoft, but it's not quite Microsoft. And right. It looks a bit wrong. I mean, that's, that's not, but here it's very simple to say the certificate does not equal the content. This is wrong. Mm, definitely. Uh, but, and, and now what we are seeing is that more than 86% of our traffic that we are sending toward the internet is nowadays encrypted. Uh, Google say that for most of the country, more than 90% of, of its traffic is uh, already encrypted. We can, we can have a, a look at the, the Google re report, the transparent report. So let's probably discuss about what is the challenge of SSL inspection. Uh, and, and I noticed that there are several of them, like technical, architectural, and, and also one related to compliance. I think that all of us, uh, you know, probably agree that we have this conversation almost a weekly basis with, you know, a customer or a prospective one, right? And um, the challenge is always something different, right? It's, well, you know, we've got... Um, you know, internal legal or, um, you know, privacy concerns about, you know, performing SSL inspection on, you know, our internal employees, right? Or, you know, some of the other ones that are, I, I mean, they really do range from, you know, the fantastic to the practical, right? But <laughs> the one that I really like is it's, it's well, 
we understand the need for SSL inspection. As you said, Nicola, it's like, okay, we understand that, you know, 90% of internet traffic is encrypted. And we, we've seen the metrics that have been produced by not only you, but other vendors in the space where, yeah, people are, you know, encrypting, you know, their malware now and then trying to deliver that. Uh, but, you know, we're still concerned about when one of our users is sending a highly sensitive email to their spouse via Gmail that, you know, people at Zscaler or whoever can see that. <laughs> mm. and, and that's when I get into that discussion. I'm like, well, you know, look, I, I don't mean to, to minimize the importance of, of the concern, but we do not have some call or data center full of, you know, with an army of men that are looking <laughs> at these, you know, payloads and packets as they're decrypted and then making determinations on them. I essentially say, look, we have come up with, you know, our own proprietary way of doing this that, you know, we call single scan multi-action. We are decrypting that packet and we are essentially doing two things. We are, you know, scanning that for a multitude of advanced threats and we're applying whatever business policy you want on that traffic. And I yeah. think that that's really important and it resonates. It's like, oh, I see. So like, you know, if we don't want people uploading specific data or file types to, you know, specific cloud channels or apps, that's what you're doing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, and and, and another thing that we should be highlighting also is that we are doing the analysis that you were talking about in memory only. I mean, we are yeah, never re reading, writing anything on, on a disk. So and that's uh, an incredibly also, important point, especially when it comes to privacy. How do yeah. we keep, you know, how do we establish that privacy and how do we maintain the privacy of the user? Because honestly, the, uh, particularly a user here in, in Europe, <clears throat> but I th think the same is, is true in many places. You know, if someone wants to browse to their, uh, I don't know, their, uh, I was talking before about my children's school. We don't really want to break that privacy and break that trust with that user. However, we do want as a business to protect ourselves from threat. And there's gotta be a balance between those two actions. So but to ensure the privacy while still applying the threat, you need to make sure that A, that there is not a human being who has access to that payload. That's really important. And when I mean that, that payload in the full life cycle, that you're not recording it, you're not storing it, you're not providing someone a window into that, even a capability to that. And that's something that Zscaler takes very seriously and does maintain. There is no human being able to read either during or after the event, anything inside that payload. It is purely a machine process to guarantee and I mean that in the widest sense of the, of the word, uh, guarantee traffic um, and, and to pro provide threat protection and data protection in yeah. that encrypted channel. Yes. Uh, and, and that memory that we are uh, talking about is a special crafted memory that is not even uh, stored in the event of uh, the, the Zen, the Z-Scaler enforcement node would crash, for instance. Right. So it, it, it's, it's really something that I think is convincing to see that we are really careful about that, that special memory where the, the inspection is taking place. And, and, and there is one thing that also we didn't um, um, discuss yet. It, it's the fact that basically uh, by the past, um, uh, having a certificate was costly uh, and, and it's not anymore. And the reason why we are seeing 
as many attacks encrypted nowadays is also due to that fact that it's it's free now and it's very easy for um, attackers to hide their traffic within encrypted channel with a let's encrypt a certificate for instance and they know what are the challenges that we are facing at uh, inspecting those um, encrypted channel i think that we we, we can summarize those uh, those challenges by saying that basically there are three of them one is architectural the other one is technical and 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 the last one is more compliance or um, uh, yes, to compliance related. So the first, the first challenges with the architecture challenges is, you know, the difficulties of back, backholding the traffic to the data center, to the control point, and 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 the um, uh, associate impact on the user experience. That that is, you know, something that's really uh, slow down the SSL inspection when 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 it's uh, it's required. The backholding when the the backholding is required. And and the and the other part, the techni technology challenges. Uh, it's it's all about protecting the content. Uh, it's all about you know some technical element like the cipher suite that is used. Those kind of elements, um, and also the the concern about how are we storing uh, the private key. Uh, for for because basically and we didn't introduce that but basically what um, um, uh, the man in the middle uh, inspection or interception that we are using is exactly what Danis has described at the beginning. Uh, it's basically to use two tunnel where normally only one was used by the past. So we are building one tunnel in between the user and our Zen and another one from the Zen to the server. And, and and so for building all of those two tunnels, there is a, an important question of, you know, um, keeping those keys secure. And, and yeah, you know, I want to, go on, Brad. Yeah, I was just going to say, Nicola just brought up some excellent points there. And this is something Danny and I have actually um, talked about. But, you know, this whole notion behind the short lived certificate, right? <clears throat> to give a little bit more color behind that, you know, we've you know, um, our security research arm has done some research where we took a look at the example Nicola mentioned, let's encrypt. And when you start taking a look at some of the, you know, some of the data from that report, you start to realize TLS certificates have become a commodity, right? We saw that over 35,000 certificates over the course of, I think it was nine or 12 months that were issued from let's encrypt had PayPal in the common name. But none of them were from that domain, right? I mean, we can, it's not even an assumption that those are being used for malicious purposes. But now let's take it a step further. Let's say that a short lived certificate is anywhere from 48 to 72 hours. And let's say that um, the same malicious actors that have issued all these have compromised a series of Office 365 tenants, specifically OneDrive. And, you know, they've quickly manufactured some PHP credential harvesting pages. What is stopping them from certificate pinning those short-lived certs to those PHP web pages for 48, 72 hours? So SSL or TLS inspection solutions cannot identify, you know, 
that credential harvesting page via bytes or any kind of other malicious anomalies within the transaction, that that's a scary proposition. And I think I think it's important to note what does the ha- what does the attacker gain by encrypting their traffic because it, it sounds obvious, but I think it's worth mentioning the controls that they're able to bypass. And that's going to follow it up by the devil's advocate position I'll follow with. But, you know, they're bypassing your, your typical AV, anti-malware. The one they're not bypassing is your destination filtering, because you do generally in most in most uh, TLS, TLSs, the URL is in the clear. <clears throat> but you're missing out your antivirus. You're missing out IPS type signature hits. You're missing sandboxing. You're bypassing sandboxing. You're bypassing um, a, a lot of your malware detection on, uh, on, in your botnet detection as well, um, yeah. depending on where, how that is, is configured. You, the, the attacker is able to bypass an extraordinary number of the controls that we've relied on in our uh, strengthening set of defenses and, and just by encrypting that traffic. And as you said, with these certificates becoming a commodity and easy to obtain and the user being less aware because that green lock doesn't really do as much. It's a bit of a perfect mix, but let me give you the devil's advocate position. And that and I've heard from quite a few people really, you know, sharp people that saying, Hey, that battle's lost. I'm going to have to focus on the endpoint." How do we think about, uh, you know, because we, that, that there is some, there's a seductive nature to that saying, you know, I, I am always going to see the decrypted data on the endpoint. So why don't I try to apply these technology here? How do you guys want to respond to that? Yeah, because simply this is the last line of defense and probably you, you, you don't want to rely only on that single line of defense. So, and, and if you go that direction, then you can potentially get rid of your firewalls, your IPS, your everything. So basically uh, here in Zscaler, we are um, shifting our way of thinking about security, but there is one thing that we are keeping in our mind clearly, which is the security in depth. So the ability to have several control in place and each one of them has a role to play. Well, and, and so many times, like, uh, you know, when when I was on the attacker side of the house, you know, uh, an organization might have a good outbound firewall policy that restricts, say, port 22 outbound to the internet, right? But then say I switch uh, my SSH uh, server to listen on port 443, all of a sudden my SSH connections were, were getting through. So it's like they weren't doing that protocol inspection. There's difference between you know, that making sure the, the ports are, are restricted, but that going to the app or the protocol level to ensure the appropriate uh, application flows through that connection and, and does align your business policies is just as critical. Look, you know, the Metasploit uh, Meterpreter reverse, uh, uh, reverse shell, anybody could go to, the, go to their site now, download uh, Metasploit, and, and connect out to a, a reverse shell over HTTPS. It's been like that for, God, as long as I can remember. I mean, going back to maybe 2005, 2006, and, and that came with a, uh, a self-signed cert. And while self-signed certs aren't good to use when you are trying to protect your privacy, as an attacker just trying to get some sort of Trojan or a remote access tool on an endpoint and, and hide, right? Hide your communication. Um, so the people on the defensive side can't see you. It worked right? and it's easy. And you're talking about a matter of minutes you could have up and running. Definitely. Um, so, so, so the ease of use 
and again, that's going back to the old days. It was very easy then, and it's just it's becoming more and more difficult for the defenders to be able to 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 inspect and see it all, right? Uh, so that yeah. go ahead, Mark. No, Danny, I wanted to agree with that, and I wanted to also talk to what Nicola said there a moment ago about uh, only relying on one line of fence. But I thought I'd also add that it's also a matter of scale. It is so much That's easier right. to update one platform hundreds of thousands of times used by millions than to update millions thousands of times, if you see what I mean. If you flip that on its head. So when you have your endpoint, you're only as good as your last update. Whereas when you have, you're using a service which is constantly updated, that, that presence, that protection is live and as quick as it is. And, and you know, obviously not all providers are, 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 are equal, but you know, in our case, we're updating that hundreds of thousands of times a day. Yeah, this is a, a damn good, good point. But uh, and also uh, that question about li lying on EDR or the antivirus on the on the laptop is frequently used. You know, whenever people or whenever we are discussing about sandbox. But but here within the SSL inspection debate, what I'm hearing the most of the time, the most frequent concern that I got is when people um, have some fear about us inspecting the content and, and, and leaking the content uh, uh, regarding, for instance, communication between a, journal a journalist and his sources or the workers conceal the internal discussion. So those concern is really important. And also there is um, two elements that I want to bring to, to, to the table and to discuss, which is people fear that we'll be looking at their productivity, their behavior, uh, those kind of elements, or that we can um, uh, guess what is their uh, religion, uh, um, sexual attraction, those kind of elements. And, and some people that I'm meeting uh, to discuss that subject is basically, uh, are basically saying that doing SSL inspection is illegal. Yeah. So that, that's a funny point. It, it's, it's really something I think interesting to be discussed because to me, the most important concern or objection about SSL inspection is probably that compliance challenges that uh, I've been describing. I mean, that's well, and that's why wrong. we give them the, or, you know, organizations have the ability to bypass certain categories like financial institutions or government organizations or things that they deem as, you know, privacy protected, right? I mean, th there is always that capability within the policy to, to exempt those so, categories. Danny, can I introduce a minority opinion here and I'll you'll find that I'm in a probably a minority opinion of one on this <clears throat> and that is that by doing that we suggest that the privacy of the people browsing to a financial site is preserved when in actual fact they're no less preserved uh, when you bypass than when you don't bypass now I recognize that that uh, that that bypassing financial sites makes perfect sense and it makes people feel better about it feel better that's right but, but, but I want to differentiate there it is a it's throwing meat to the lions more yep, than it is you're right. actual but, change. But 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 I'm seeing the finance and the health exception as probably a way to negotiate. Yes. yes. Workers conceals and because because basically this is an assessment of a risk and we why is finance category is 
a good fit for an exception, it's probably because we assume that finance categories are well or far more protected than the other categories. Yep. Yeah, and so, so the problem is that in the health category, it's probably a bad idea long term to be mm -hmm. choosing that. Thousands and thousands and thousands of healthcare providers with little money to spend on security budgets, and we're saying, you know what, they're safe. Right. Going back to what Nicholas said earlier, um, is you know we don't keep that data, right? We crack it open. We're not doing full packet captures of that content. We're not. You know, it's it's done in memory. It's not like it hits disk and is saved somewhere. So it is a mindset shift right it's like and it's a concession right I, i'm happy to see when when organizations bypass those categories because it means that they're, they're thinking about it right absolutely you know you know one thing i got a question for mark and nicola because both of them are you know they're based in the european well mm -hmm. they're based in I'm the not. mea one of the things nicola mentioned that you know they do hear a lot that customers will say well we can't do that it's illegal you know I know you guys get into this conversation a lot where you're essentially, you know, backing up. The regulation is not the enemy here. Can you guys kind of talk Don't about, worry. yeah, yeah. Can you talk about how you help people understand the lawful basis for, you know, doing SSL inspection under things like GDPR and some of the other data privacy um, uh, country regs? Yeah, probably by first saying that uh, we'll make sure that nothing bad get in and nothing good get out. So this is no difference between HTTP traffic and HTTPS. So this is probably the first answer that we can give to that question. We want to make sure that an organization is secure no matter what is the protocol that uh, they are using. So that, that's the first element. So for me, I mean, I, I often use the reductio ad absurdum argument. Well, you could remove all of your defenses and all of your inspection and simply allow all threats through because clearly any kind of control um, is, is infringing on the rights of your employees to browse and cat videos. That, that argument is reducing it to the level of absurd. Of course you have to put in controls. What you have right. to determine is where that correct line is. So let's back up from zero controls up to the point of, oh, let's ignore inspect, uh, encrypted traffic. Well, why are we ignoring encrypted traffic when the aforementioned cat videos are also encrypted. Why are we ignoring all of it? All right, well, let's move the line a little bit further until you get to that point where they're comfortable. Okay, we're going to accept and, and we're going to bypass these ones. Now, my preferred approach would be to someone like you saying, and I would urge them not to feed the lions until they have to feed the lions because they're giving away a, a good right. negotiation point. But to start with the position of we are going to protect the business from threat. We are going to inspect SSL traffic by doing that. We are going to protect your privacy, Mr. Workers' Council, and those that you represent, or Mrs. Workers' Council. Um, and we are going to maintain the integrity, uh, maintain the relationship, and maintain uh, trust through these means. But we are going to protect ourselves against threat. Yes, and definitely we have also some way to protect um the user's pr privacy by um, using uh, obfuscation. Sorry, there is my son. <laughs> uh, so uh, obfuscation is also uh, an important uh, way for us to ensure that um, the, the, the user's privacy um, is conserved. I, I and, and, and so th that's the first answer. I, I think that within the debate of inspecting or not inspecting, inspecting or not inspecting without the noise, the background noise, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it is um, 
is basically uh, communication. Communication is really key on, on that project, is to make sure that everybody understands why you want to do SSL inspection. And the reason why is simple. Bad guys are hiding their traffic within encrypted channel. So the reason why you should be doing that, it's because most of the traffic is encrypted nowadays. Bad guys are using them. So you want to protect your uh, employee's job and you want the, the organization continue to, 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 to roll. <laughs> so you have uh, to protect the business. Uh, exactly. Right. It, takes, it takes one encrypted threat, right? That gets by and gets a foothold. And then all of a sudden you have a massive ransomware issue and your organization is crippled. So it's like, do your shareholders agree with your your approach in terms of bypassing some of these categories? It's there are know. some organizations, particularly here in Europe, that even these arguments will continue to fall on deaf ears, and there is a final fallback position that which is possible, and that is that if all else fails, pull the ripcord and say, you know what. You're right. Unless somebody um, consents to having us inspect that traffic, you just can't have public internet access through your your your. There work you go. That is the fallback position. It is always possible, and I have yet to see a workers' council, uh, in my experience here at Zscaler, who will happily take that decision. And and we were talking about communication, and I think that one one thing also has to be highlighted is the fact that within all of those negotiations, you have as a CISO, whenever you want to enable that SSL inspection, you want to establish trust also with the workers' council. You want to explain the reason why, etc. Whenever you are doing SSL inspection, the users will be able to notice if you are inspecting the, that specific website by looking at the certificate. It's always still a bit technical ways of checking if the, if, if the site is inspected or not, but still... At any time, you'll have that capability of checking if it's in inspected or not. And yeah, I think whenever you want to build that trust with the Workers' Council, with all of your users, this is a good sign, you know, uh, of trust. Totally agree. So as we're wrapping up this, uh, this topic, I wanted to, to kind of whip around the, the team here. Danny, can you give me your top reason or two reasons? Just give me two why why uh, the Z scalar approach, sorry, the Z scalar approach to our American <laughs> listeners, that the approach is is going to be more successful, is going to help you solve this problem better. If you look at implementing solutions or decrypting traffic using the old way, right, using the on-prem box approach. It takes a significant amount of CPU and resources to crack open a packet, inspect it, and reassemble it and, and at line rate, right? So just looking at the challenges from being able to scale uh, in a large enterprise, as well as being able to, um, you know, roll out some applications on an endpoint, they say, we'll talk about Windows for a second. They won't trust the Windows, uh, was it the certificate root store, right? So rolling out a certificate to each endpoint, and then you have to go to the app on each endpoint to make sure they're using that cert. It's such a massive undertaking. It is a pain. It is so hard to do on an enterprise scale. With Zscaler, you know, it's baked into the the ZCC client. It just makes it makes life a lot easier. I mean, it's it really goes from 
it's 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 night and day really rolling it out in the ro- old way of doing business and having to deal with that scalability and performance issue versus the way zscaler is handling it at line rate i love that danny i'm going to summarize that with an ancient american ad hopefully you'll know it crunch all you want we'll make more <laughs> that's the zscaler story we right. don't care how much you put through us it can be 100% we don't care we'll we'll continue to inspected and your cost is the same you don't have to go out and buy new boxes i mean it's just it's eye-opening and and again if you've ever tried to implement some sort of uh monitoring capabilities on prem you get it so nicola go on give me a give me a game changer reason why the z scaler story works better yeah i think that's uh the element that uh, danny raised about uh, the capability of um, enforcing security um, uh, at scale uh, is is really important, and and really using a cloud solution to protect cloud so cloud uh, application and internet does really make sense. Thanks for listening to the CISO's Gambit with Brad Moldenhauer and Danny Connolly. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. Brad and Danny are both CISOs at Zscaler. You can find their profiles on LinkedIn or reach out to them and other CXO transformation leaders in the Zscaler CXO community LinkedIn group. Zscaler is a zero trust exchange cloud security provider for some of the largest companies on the Forbes Global 2000. Find out more about Zscaler at zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.